Colossians 3, verses 1 uh, through 4. So it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. We're starting a new series today, and it's a big one. And you're like, okay, don't you always say that, Pastor Sisa? I, I don't know why, but like this year seems to be the year of big, huge, um, big theology um, sermons. And uh, we did, we finished biblical justice here. We had a big series on holiness, which we called uh, Most Deeply Human. Um, and we're about to have a series on union with Christ. And I want to say a little something about this before we get into this. Union with Christ is a big, complex piece of theology. And if you've been, you know, received, you know, ministry and preaching from me, you've heard pieces of this theology. I regularly use and teach and offer pieces of union with Christ to you, but I've never actually unpacked the theology itself. So that's kind of what the purpose of this, this uh, series is. A um, couple other things I want to say. It's, it's, uh, in its pieces, it's not hard to understand. In its individual pieces, it's not hard to understand. However, in its whole totality, it's big and complex. And what, one of the reasons why you don't generally have it taught is precisely because of this. It's big and complex. Um, but... What I'm going to try to do in this series is take it and offer it to you piecemeal. But my hope for you, and this is what I want to ask of you, is put your thinking caps on and open your heart up big. And ask the Lord to that by the power of the Holy Spirit, all these pieces would come together into something beautiful and glorious. Because I believe the promise of this theology is absolutely just stupendous. So here are some of the things... Um, that I'm hoping for from this sermon series for you. For you as an individual, but maybe just all of us as a church. Here's some of the things that I hope will come out of this. Um, one is you'll just get this big view of salvation, the gift of salvation. And what it'll do is it'll put so much more joy and power in your life. Just first of all that. Some people you think like theology can help you have more joy and power. I absolutely think so, yes. And one of the reasons why I think churches today are weak is because their theology is thin and weak. And today we live in a society where people think you can just go to, you know, you, you show up and everything has to be kind of handed to you in an easy way. You know, you, if you go to Costco, like, I mean, we're not doing this in a pandemic anymore, but the typical thing is they might have like teriyaki chicken <laughs> and there's somebody standing out there and you get, you know, a little taste of it. And if you want to discover something of this chicken, you know, you just eat it and you're like, oh, it's good. And then you just take it. It's, it's always got to be easy. <laughs> and, but this, we are now entering into some of the deepest, most profound things in, at the center of salvation. It's not necessarily always so easy. And I'm not asking you to like, you know, like, oh, you got to be so hard and so strong. But one of the things that it's, it's not so much how smart you are is how much do you want it. That's one of the things I want to ask you. How much do you want something bigger? And so we're going into something big. So that's the first thing I want to say. Um, and so in order to get this, you know, you just need a bigger theology. And I don't want to say this before I get this. There's um, a lot of people think theology, does that really matter so much? Well, theology is the ideas and the, and the ideas and the truths of God. Well, all across our culture, people are always telling you ideas and what they think their truths are. We have truths about politics. We have truths about justice. We have truths about race. And you know what they're doing? They're giving you their theology. That's what's happening all the time in our society. It's just that there's no God in the theology. There's no God. It's all just man-centered life and meaning of life. So their doctrines are coming out as all the time. Some of the doctrines and the theology of our culture, it's actually confusing and very difficult. 
And the demands of our culture on justice or the demands of our culture on race, like people expect you to read big, difficult books, watch long, complicated YouTube presentations, and they have no problem saying, it's hard, get it, and if you don't, you stink. That's what's going on in our culture. And that's coming from people who don't believe in God. Well, we have something much bigger to offer you. It's from God. And it's a big theology, and I want to challenge you to want to go get it, okay? Is that worth it? I hope that's reasonable. All right. So here's some of the things that I would like, I hope that you will, that this could happen after the ser- series in you. One, um, it'll change the way you see yourself. You're very, like, who you are. It'll, this will change. After the series is over, you're going to be like, I, I, I don't see myself the same way anymore. I hope that will happen. <laughs> Second, I hope that this is going to change how you see what's going on inside your mind, inside your heart. That it's going to change your thought life. It'll change your emotions. It'll change your desires and your hopes. That's one of the things I hope this will happen in the, through this Union with Christ series. A third thing I hope this will happen is that in your life, you won't be easily afraid. Our culture is filled with anxiety and lots of fear. But I hope after the service is, you know, after the, not just the service, but this whole series is over, you will actually have less anxiety. Why? Because your hope in your life will become so big, the hope will drown out anxiety and just wash out anxiety. I hope that's one of the things that happen. How about that? Here's another thing that I hope this will happen. You'll pray differently. <laughs> You'll pray differently. When you pray, you will want to pray. (laughs) When you pray, the first thing you don't think about is, am I saying the right thing? Am I good enough to pray? Do I know, like, you know, like, just, oh gosh, I'm just going to get bored after the first minute. This will stop. (laughs) You will... Be so united to Jesus that you're going to start to pray. And just for the first minute, second minute, third, four or five minutes, you have said nothing. You're really quiet. Maybe you're just sad. But you are sad with Jesus. (laughs) You're close to Jesus. Your praying has nothing to do with what you say. But you are with him. You're communing with him. And all your sadness is just pouring out. All your fears are just pouring out. You're just sitting there. And it's just coming out. You're praying. I hope this will happen. One more thing. I hope this will change how you imagine what's going on between you and the Lord. Every one of you has some kind of like inside your imagination, how you picture God, how you picture Jesus, how you picture who you are with Jesus, and what the heck is going on between you and Jesus inside your mind with him. I hope this will change, and it will grow, grow big and beautiful and hopeful according to the Bible. And it'll give you a lot of joy. And mostly, Jesus will become so close. He'll be so intimate. And you will see that his kindness for you is so big, so gigantic, that you never show up to Jesus and he's like, oh, you again. Hello. Hello. Didn't you do that, that stupid stuff yesterday? Just this morning, you're such, just awful with your kids. Just yesterday, you, you just said all this stupid, horrible stuff out of your mouth because you're angry and you just swear all the time. <laughs> but instead, Jesus is like, yes, you're here. And it's us. Because you're united to him. Can never be broken. Okay? That's the intro. Part one, the tremendous and mysterious gift. The tremendous and mysterious 
gift. Part two. The real yet hidden self in Christ. The real yet hidden self. That's you, whoever you are. The real you, it's weird, it's hidden. And it's in Christ. And part three, the final word on you and the ultimate reality of you. The final word on you, the ultimate reality of you. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Part one, let's get into this passage. It's a short passage. And most people have probably never studied it closely and paid attention to what it's saying. And what it's saying is really weird, okay? It's really strange. And let's go through it, all right? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And the weirdness starts right off the get-go, all right? Verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Let's say that. Let me read that again. If then you have been raised. So, you ever been to high school? Or, okay, you know, you, a lot of you probably went to public school. So, you know, public schools are not doing a good job teaching, like, grammar anymore. And so, but, you know what this is? There's, this, is a, this is a past perfect. There's, like, something has happened in the past, and it has an ongoing effect into the present. You have been, and it's going, like, there's a reality that's going on into the present. If then you have been raised with Christ. That's how it, how it starts. You know what this is saying? This is just like, wait a second. Last I checked, I'm still living on this earth. And I'm not like raised with Christ. I'm still just me bopping around the earth, falling down, getting angry, being impatient, being greedy. My usual normal sinful self, good days and bad days, good mornings and bad afternoons, whatever it is. And yet, it says right here, you have been raised with Christ. Isn't that strange? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now, here, listen to this next part, verse 3. For you have died past tense. For you have died, all right? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what it says. So the last time I checked, I woke up, I'm alive, I'm breathing, <laughs> I'm eating, I'm talking, I'm thinking, I'm emoting, I'm, I, I have thoughts, I have hopes, I have dreams, etc. I'm alive. But it says, I died. That's weird, isn't it? Isn't that weird? That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say you think you died. It doesn't say that you will be raised, because that's, that's, the, that's the normal that is a standard Christian biblical doctrine. You give your life to Jesus. You believe in the gospel. And then, you know, like this, we, you know, we, we represented this recently in our brother who was baptized. I, and I told this to you that it represents that you die with Christ and then you're risen with Christ. You're born again. You're, that's, that's like the phrase, you are born again. All right? And that... What it says, like what everybody, like, well, you're supposed to know if you believe in Jesus, is that you're going to die at the end of history. Jesus is going to return. And then all those who have died, you're going to be raised up into an immortal resurrection body. You're going to get a new body that can never die. You're going to get a new heart, new mind, and you're going to be raised with Christ just like his resurrection body, and that's how you're going to live forever. That's what, Christ, that's what the Christian gospel promises. But when we think about this, most Christians always think about this as totally future tense. Raised with Christ. Resurrection with Christ. 
future tense. I'm going to live today. Mostly I'm kind of fumbling around. You know, on the good days, I get up to C plus Christian. And on the usual days, I'm like C minus. And the really bad days, it's getting like, like, it's like it's getting low. Okay. And a lot of you, I know that's how you think about your faith. And you walk with Jesus. It's kind of like bopping around. And it kind of like, you know, like, uh, and then like, oh gosh, like, you know, I hope none of my brothers and sisters see me in this afternoon because that would be really embarrassing. I sure hope my pastor don't see me. I know some of you think that way. As if like my opinion matters so much, right? But you know what this passage is saying? You have been raised. You have been raised. It's already happened. Something about you, your life, it's already been raised in resurrection with Jesus. It's a past tense event. That's strange. And you have already died. You've already died. And it says this. Your life, the real life of you, your real life, if you believe in Jesus, it's a hidden thing. And it is with Christ and it's in God. Let me say this one other verse before I, I, I shift. When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, so I just said, what, what's your life? What is your life? It's, my life is me. My life is the stuff I do. The, my life is, is, is uh, you know, the stuff that makes my life happy is my family, my friends, my, my, my money, my jobs, my talents, my skills. That's my life. That's not what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? Christ is your life. That's what he says. That's what it says. You're not your life. What you do is not your life. The Bible says something, something crazy. Christ is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's what it says. That's what it says. Let me say like two things before um, I go to the second portion of this message, right? I want to say a little something about this. This is one passage. This is one very, very important passage in the Bible that teaches union with Christ. Some of you are going like, where else in the Bible does it teach that? All throughout the New Testament. So I'll just give you... Um, you know, just one. Uh, I'm going to give you two places. Like one, it says this. You all throughout the letters, it says, in Christ. You're in Christ. We're in Christ. You're in Christ. I'm in Christ. You're in Christ. All the in Christ language, you know what in Christ is? Union with Christ. <laughs> if you give your life to Jesus and you're saved, you're united to Christ. You are in union with Christ. We're in Christ. It's the most central, fundamental gift of salvation. It's the big gift. Everything else flows out of being united to Christ. So it's in the Bible, everywhere. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Let me just give you one other example. There's a place, John chapter 15, where Jesus says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. So you guys see it? There's a vine, and then there's a bunch of branches coming off of Jesus, right? He says, apart from me, you could do nothing. That's what he says. So a branch is connected to the vine. You guys see it? Or like, today we might not talk about a vine. Maybe he could say, I'm the tree and you're the branches. Same idea. Well, all, every branch is united to the vine. It's connected. And you guys all know what this is like. You take a, a, a branch, you break it off. Is there going to be any fruit coming off that branch anymore? Nope. <laughs> What's going to happen? You break that branch off the vine. What's going to happen? It dies. Right? So the life of being in Christ <coughs> is to be united to him, in union with him. That's another place where Jesus always talks about this. You're in me. I'm in you. You're united to me. Okay? And um, let's see. I want to say one more. This is the one other thing I want to say before I go to part two. So many people, when you, when you come to church, and even if you believe in Jesus, most of us, we're looking for something from God. We want something. 
a lot of times when people first became a Christian, they heard like their sins could be forgiven. That's a really good reason why you come to Jesus. So you might be like, like a 15-year-old kid, you know, and he's looking at porn all the time. He's addicted to porn, and he knows he has no, he, like he's tried to stop, and he can't. So he comes to church and finds out, oh my gosh, the sin is on me. I'm guilty. I'm dirty. I'm gross. I'm disgusting. And then here's this message. Jesus can forgive you of your sins. Give your life to him, and he'll forgive you. Crazy message. So the 15-year-old believes in Jesus, the gospel, and gives his life to him for the first time, and he gets born again and gets saved. Gets baptized. It's wonderful, right? Wonderful. I don't even know exactly what it was that caused you, if you believe in Jesus, to first come to him, but there was probably something you badly needed or wanted from him. And so you came. And so we usually want something from Jesus. Forgiveness is a pretty big thing. And by the way, if you're joining us today and you've never, you know, given your life to Jesus, you're not going to get forgiveness anywhere else. So if that's what you want, fantastic. You've come to the right place. But here's the thing I want to say to everybody in this series. What I want you to want is not something from Jesus. Jesus is going to give you all these wonderful blessings. These, the theologians call them the benefits. <laughs> the benefits of the gospel. So we want, so, so here's some other things that you get from Jesus. You get a new family. We call it the church. How about you will get wisdom and guidance and the Lord will protect you and guide you for the rest of your life. That's pretty good to get. How about, how about you get a new heart? So before, you never cared about the poor. <laughs> Just never cared. But now, the Lord's going to give you a new heart and now you're going to actually kind of care, okay? It's the beginning of something new. So you come to church, some of you, some of you are like, okay, I want the new heart. I want a new family because I'm so lonely. And then some of you are like, I want forgiveness. Those are all wonderful things and blessings to get from Jesus. But here's what union with Christ offers. You get Jesus. You don't get something from Jesus you get him. You get everything from him. You get the totality of everything from him. And the center of what he offers you is you get to die and everything that's bad in you dies, but it dies with him. And then you're raised into a new self, which is hidden. It's strange. You get a new you and it's hidden with him. And it's kept with him forever. And you get him. That's what you get. That's union with Christ. Is this interesting to you? Some of you are like, wow, he's like going on about it. Some of you are like, looks tired. Look, look tired. But some of you look really, really interested. Good. All right. That's part one. Let's go to part two. The real yet hidden self in Christ. All right. This verse four says this strange thing. It says, well, verse 3, it says, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, when I was younger, I would read that. I always read that future tense. When Jesus comes back, second coming of Christ, when he appears, we're like, okay, he's finally appeared, and then I will also appear. That's kind of strange. I will appear and then I'll have glory. <laughs> That's, isn't that great? One day you will appear and you'll be filled with glory. Not filled with ugliness. Not filled with anger. Not filled with greediness. Not filled with impatience. Not filled with unforgiveness and bitterness. Instead, filled with glory. This is what I always thought. It's only future tense. That's not right. When Christ, who is your life, appears. 
So here's what this word appears means. In the Greek, appears, I don't know if that's an entirely good translation. I don't want to like, you know, upset your understanding. It's not a great translation. The word in Greek is phanero'o. That means the reality of is made like manifest so you could see it. The reality of this person is made manifest so now it's, it's like visible and you, can, and you can grasp it. That's what it means. Okay? So it doesn't just mean like it was gone and now it shows up. It means like the reality is there but now you can see it. That's what it means. So let's, let me say this. When Christ, who is your life, the reality of him is now visible and understandable and, and, and like apparent to you. When Christ, who is your life, now is made manifest so that he's more real to you. How about that? Then you will also become more manifest in glory. Do I have your attention? When I look at you, especially those of you that I've pastored, this is the great drama that's going on all the time. And I, as your pastor and your shepherd, this is what I'm, I'm interested in this all the time. I'm interested in the real you. The real you that's united to Christ. And I, I take every pains and energy I can to help you see the reality. Because Jesus isn't like gone and then he'll show up. See, that's what we think. He's not around. He went up to the heaven up there, see at the right hand. And I'm just kind of like bopping around down here by myself. And I mostly kind of stink. Right? That's how we feel. But what the passage is saying is something absolutely tremendous. It's saying when Christ, who is your life, the, the, the reality and wonder of him is made manifest to you. So he never leaves you. You just don't generally see him and perceive, perceive the reality of him in your life. You think he's far away. But when you see him and you finally perceive the beauty and the power and the glory of him with you, then you, your real you, the real you in him will emerge. You'll become more like the real you. And he'll be in glory. That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. It's crazy. So, Every week in church or every time I get together with one of you, <laughs> okay, like I'm kind of letting you know like one of my pastor secrets here. Every time I hang out with one of you, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've been a pastor in Korean American church. Koreans are afraid of the pastor. <laughs> They're all afraid of the pastor because they think Jesus is up here, God is up here, and then there's Jesus, he's a little closer, and the pastor is like close down here. And then the pastor's closer to Jesus. There's me. I'm going to show up with the pastor. And then, like, if I say something really stupid, the pastor will be like, oh, my goodness, this person is really stupid. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, oh, no. Oh, gosh. Now the pastor found out how dirty, how worldly, how, like, how lacking I am in the Bible's knowledge, how lacking I am in faith, how lacking I am in love. And, and that's going to be so embarrassing because now the pastor knows <laughs> how lame I am. I just said to you what I've experienced hundreds of times. <laughs> so like, as your pastor show up, some of you, this is going on. Like, don't think I know. I don't know. I know. <laughs> this is what's going on. Right? And you're so nervous about this kind of thing. But what I'm actually interested in is there's a real you. It's hidden. It's strange. It's hidden. That's the you that's united to Jesus. There's this you that you're used to. The greedy you. The, the fearful you. You're fearful because you're greedy. <laughs> you're like, I got to get this, I got to get this A so I can get to this college. I, I need to do really well on this project so I can get this promotion. And then when I get more money, and then we'll get a nicer house. And so, like, you're greed. And then, then because, like, all the greed is at stake now, you're fearful. That's, like, the you you're used to. You're like, that's the normal me. Yes, that's me. <laughs> that's not the real you. <laughs> that's not the real you. You know what the Bible's saying? You gave your life to Jesus. That you died. <laughs> Past tense. 
So stop bringing up the zombie. Hello. Stop bringing that zombie back. That you died. When Jesus died on the cross, that you of you, the greedy you, whatever version of you you think you are that's normal to you, died. The real you have been raised. It's past tense. It's already happened. Jesus loves this person, this person who's been raised, has been forgiven, who's been washed. He's already interacting. You're like, but I'm so lame. But every now and then, this is what happens, right? Every now and then, you hear the gospel at church or with your friends or like the Holy Spirit comes over you and you remember that you belong to Jesus and then you, and then you do things that like the old you would never have done. You're generous to a person and forgiving to a person that you always hated. The old you would never have given any poor person money. <laughs> the old you would have just looked at a person who's got like a certain skin color and just went, no way. But today you're like, well, it's not like I really, really like that person. But out of the genuine, actually there's a real you and there's a real kindness. That person is you. That person's you. You have been raised. That life from Christ flowing into the new you, it can never, ever, ever go away. That's you. That's you. And you know what? It's hidden. <laughs> it's so hidden. We yourselves don't even see it. <laughs> so you go about, you, you, you hang out with your wife. You act like your usual lazy self that'd rather watch football than help your wife. And then your wife goes, Ugh! and she yells at you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's me. So she doesn't see you in this hidden self. You don't see yourself in this hidden self. You're the loser you. Your wife thinks you're still being a loser. You're the old you. And yet the Bible says you're already, already dead. It's already dead. It's like we keep bringing back the zombie. You believe in the zombie, you know? You believe in your dead you. But the real you is hidden. It's already alive with Jesus. That's crazy, isn't it? That's the truth. That's the truth. Can you believe that? That's the gospel. So, in this life, the old zombie us is going around. And so your wife yells at you. And she's like, all right, all right. And you, you kind of care. <laughs> okay, you kind of care. Okay, turn off, turn off the football or whatever. And you're like, I'll try to do better, honey. I'll try to do better. And then you do for about like two days. And then, because then like this, you're so used to being this old dumpy version of you, you just keep, you can't like break that habit. And then, what do you do? <laughs> you just try harder. And then you try harder. And then you try harder. Until you realize it doesn't work. <laughs> this is just who I am. It just kind of, this me just kind of sucks. There's a lot of young people today, they go to church. Without the gospel, that's all there is. That's all there is. Just try harder, do better. That's all you got. You and all the other religions of the world, they give you a bunch of laws, including the secular versions. Okay, you're racist. Okay, don't be racist. Okay, I'll try harder. That's all there is. Okay, you were depressed. Well, try to get over that. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> that one's crazy, right? And yet, how about this other reality? See, this is not an idea. It's, it's, it's the real truth. When we gave our life to Jesus, he didn't sit up there on the throne and go, okay, now you guys can try harder and keep going to church and, you know, I've forgiven you and I'll have grace upon you and like, just like drop the Holy Spirit on you and you'll muddle through until you, you know, you get to me. That's not, that's not, that's not salvation. He says, oh, you gave your life to me. I'll give my life to you. The old version of you, dead. New version, that's the real you. I'll be with you always, always. This is union with Christ. So, 
how can we have this, how do we go from this dead version to this, like living inside of the new version? And I'm going to tell you something that if you've been in our church, you've heard a lot of times before, but I want you to hear it now inside of the union with Christ. Here's what I'm going to tell you. you. When you get to that place, you preach the gospel to yourself. That's what you do. The wife goes, you're so selfish. You never care. I got to do everything. You, you don't go, I'll try harder. Because you know what that is? That's all the old self has. The only righteousness you got is your works right. Your works righteousness. Like you're just going to practice Phariseeism to try to be a better husband. That's all you got. Okay? But how about this? The real truth is the real self in me is hidden. <laughs> That's weird. It's hidden. That's the real self. It's so hidden I barely believe there's this actual self in me that I could actually love my wife more than my own convenience. And how could that come about? You're like, wait a second. Jesus can give me the Holy Spirit and his life is united to mine. See, like my life, my dumpy life is not. It's already dead and I'm a, I'm, I've been raised and my life is now raised with his. That's the truth. That's the real me. Jesus, if that's true, help me. <laughs> Change me. And today, I'll take one step. I'll do the dishes. Probably badly, but I'll do it. And tomorrow, help me not forget this and remember my real self is hidden with you. And we'll do it again. Not because I, I'm so wonderful, because the real you is with me. And the real you will never give up on me. And the real you cannot die. And the dumpy me is already dead. And the, and the real me, which is going to become glorious in glory, I'll actually get up and then like myself will be, and then I'll actually love my wife like Jesus. That's like in a flash. The real you is showing up in glory. How about that? How about that? Let me close this message. Part three. There's a word on you. It's the final word. Here's what I mean by that. You, when you think about yourself, you're always saying words to yourself. In the morning, you're a bad mom. You'd rather sleep in than do something for your kids. In the afternoon, you have a different word. You're like, awesome. You did a good job on that project. You're going to rock it. You deserve a promotion. That's, a, that's the second word. And then the third, and then you have a third word in the evening. Your kids go, mom, I love you. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm a mediocre mom, but my kids still love me. Three different words. You had a tough, hard word on you, and you had like a, yes, I love it. You know, you have a great word on you, and at the bottom, you kind of, it's kind of like a halfway word. Your kid's word, you're like, oh, so, I'm so glad my kids still love me, even though I wasn't so great to them. All these different words that are on you. But do you know the gospel pronounces the final ultimate word on you? You know that? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That word is more important than whatever you thought about yourself this morning. Whatever anybody else said about you. Your, maybe your father always thought you were a failure. You never really got to the college he wanted. You never got successful in the career he wanted. And then, and then you like were angry about that and you hate him for that. But at the same time, you got this gnawing feeling that he's right. You're like, I hate you, dad. But dang it, you're also kind of right. I'm kind of a failure. That's why I took a mediocre job. I have a mediocre, I'm a mediocre man. Because, well, it's partly your fault, but then deep down you're like, it's also my fault. Dang, it's your fault. No, it's my fault. Those are all the different words that somebody else said on you. But do you know, your life is hidden in Christ with God. That's the word on you. That's God's word on you. That's the Bible's word on you. If you believe in Jesus through the gospel, that's his word on you. That's the final word. 
that's true of you. It's more true than anything anybody else thinks or believes. What you think, what somebody else thinks, what anybody else has ever said, what even you say, even the crazy stuff you say to yourself, none of it is, is, is as important as this. All of these words will like fly and die away, but this word will stand. This is true. This is true of you, okay? It's the final, final word. You died, you're raised, that was past tense. It's uh, true right now. And your real self is hidden with God. And then like this glory can come out of you. That's true. That's the final word, okay? Let me tell you something else about this. So because that word is true, it's not just some thought. The ultimate reality of you, that is so true. Whatever it's saying about you, that's the real you. That's the ultimate reality of you. So even on any given day, in the morning, in the afternoon, the after, you know, whatever, you're like, man, I'm acting like the zombie me. I'm acting the worst version of the zombie me. <laughs> I, there were actually some parts of the old me that were actually halfway okay, but like, I'm acting like the most disgusting parts of me, the old me. But you know what? None of that is ultimately you. It's not. The real reality of you is the one raised with Christ, the one united with Jesus. That's, that's you. That's you. Can you believe that? If you can believe that every day, you will change. Oh my gosh, you will change. Something unbelievable will start to happen in your life. And you will change. This is the glory of it. This glorious you, which is hidden, see, it will like become manifest. Jesus, it was like, he, he, like, I didn't see him before, and now like, I can see him. And like, so then like, it says the you will actually change in glory. And then, then that you that's more glorious will become made manifest, will be made phanero'o. You will become not so hidden. It will start to come out. So I'm going to close this with a story, and then let's go to the table of the Lord. And you know what this is represents? You and you with Christ. <laughs> a number of years ago, I want to say it was around 2004, I was at this kind of juncture. I was kind of lost about my, uh, about my future and about my career. I was in the middle of my PhD program at Westminster Seminary. And um, I didn't really know what the Lord wanted of me in the future. And I wanted to encounter somebody who was really close to the Lord. And whose life was so close to Jesus, so united to Jesus, and just experience their holiness. That's what I wanted. And so somehow through that, maybe the Lord will say something to me. That's, that's it. That's all. I, I, had, I didn't have any guidance. I just had this instinct. So some of you know that we named our youngest daughter after a very, very glorious holy woman. Her name is Beth Kidd. Okay, and I told you a little bit about Beth Kidd. Beth Kidd runs this ministry in inner city Boston called Place of Promise. And she ministers to, she's been doing this for, since the late 70s. People that she calls multiply injured. Multiply injured means something like this. You grew up in a broken home and you were sexually abused, and then you got a drug problem, drug addiction, and then you went into prison. And you come out, you got a drug addiction, you're an ex-con, you have deep like daddy problems and deep anger problems, and you like hate yourself because you have addiction issues and sexual issues, all kinds, of, that's what she means by multiply injured. That's who she takes in to love, that place of promise. Isn't that crazy? Okay, so I'm not going to tell you something about her so much. I wanted to go talk to her. <laughs> I wanted to just go meet her. I just had this instinct that if I went to just go meet her, then maybe the Lord would have a word for me. <laughs> so the reason we have this connection is because Grace, when she, after her junior year of college, she spent a whole summer at Place of Promise with this unbelievable holy woman, Beth Kidd, right? And she got to watch. So she, she personally knows Beth. And so I asked Grace, I said, hey, Grace, 
if you call up Beth, do you think she'll remember you? I mean, we're talking going back to her junior year of high school. I think she will. So would you please do that and ask if we could visit? Grace dug up the old phone number, did it. Beth said, I remember you, Grace. Come on up. So we drove. We like, you know, we only, like, she was pregnant with Elizabeth. Hudson, Laura, we little. We got in our minivan, drove all the way up from there. We like called up some friends that we need to crash at your place. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I, like long story, I don't, I don't really know. We're here to talk to a holy woman, okay, right? So we went to, we went to inner city Boston. And, um, and I met this woman at Place of Promise. So we found out all about the ministry. So this woman had come out of prison. So this is what, like how you get into Place of Promises. There's a list of like, you know, places that you, they'll, get, they'll let you come out of prison if you're under, willing to go under this ministry. Beth is on that list. So she, you know, they call up Beth. Beth interviews them to see if their heart is soft and possible. And she prays over them to see if the Holy Spirit says, pick this person and, and, uh, and love on them and give them the gospel. So Beth does this for every, she interviews every single person. And this woman was chosen. She came to place of promise. And I, I remember her story. She was like a lot of people's stories. Awful, broken family background. And she had totally wrecked her life. And she had, you know, like out of wedlock kids. And somewhere along the line, she got a drug addiction she got caught with possession and went to prison. And she came to place of promise. And Beth would teach her the gospel and all these things. And but if you meet her, if this person I'm describing to you, like you have a picture in your mind of the, what this person looks like? Like, doesn't she look poor in your mind? Doesn't she look all depressed and ashamed? No, actually. She told this story. You know what this person looks like? She was... She was like, I think she was probably in her 30s. She was pretty. She was well-dressed. She was really articulate. She was bright. And her face glowed. That's how I remember her. And she told us, this is what it was. This, I wrecked my life. And I met, I, met, I met Beth. And she told us about Jesus. And she goes, you know what was incredible? It was the love. The love. She just kept loving me and loving me and loving me. And then I finally started getting it. Jesus, the love. I started getting the love for Jesus. It's it incredible. Just, and then I realized I was close to him. And here's the part that, that I still, man, I remember this. Like it was crazy. She said, my family hates me. They won't talk to me. And they totally rejected me. But I'm not worried about that because I know I'm going to get them back. I know I'm changing. And I know Jesus is going to piece my life back together and I'm going to get them back. This woman had unbelievable power and joy even though she was poor, even though she had wrecked her life, even though she was living in this house with a bunch of other people who had wrecked their life. And in her mind, her belief was, I have Jesus. Nothing could ever stop me. I will not be stopped. I have strength. I have power. I have love. I have hope. I'm ending up every day. I'm so joyful. I have Jesus. That's what I remember. You know why I'm telling you this? This could be you. This could be you. It does not matter what you did or what you are or what word that keeps saying on, your, on yourself how much you think you're failing and falling? The one who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before his glory. He's with you. You're united to him. And that union, your union to him can never be broken. And every day when that bad word from you, that bad word from the devil, that other people telling you that you stink or you failed and you believe it and you know it's true, you know, all those things, it's temporarily true at best because that's going away. You got to be like the sister. I wish I remember her name. 
She knew who she was. She knew she was going to get her family back. She said it like it was like just a fact. It was crazy. She knew she was going to live this new and beautiful, glorious life. I met her. I met the real her. See? I met the real her. Go and meet your real self. United to Christ. Keep looking for him. United to you. And trust in this. Can you trust in this? Let's pray. Lord, we're going to go to your table. We regularly believe all these other words. They sometimes even come from us. They sometimes come from other people. can only imagine how many times her family told her what a bad daughter she is. What a bad sister she is. What a bad mother she is. And all of it, for the time being, was true. And yet, none of those things are ultimately true. The final word, the ultimate reality, is that she has died with you. And all her sin and all that is bad in her has died. And been washed away as far as the east is from the west. And you've already raised her. Lord, our problem is we are always like not believing that. Lord, give us faith. Help us to believe. Help our unbelief. And trust that we're united to you in your death and resurrection. And this is the final ultimate say on us. And nothing could possibly stop us from becoming and being the glorious self hidden with you, which will be made manifest as we see you in your glory. We're going to go to the table of the Lord now. And it is a physical representation, a picture, an experience of being united to the risen Christ who has died for us. And as we eat this, as we eat this bread and drink this wine, would you give us faith by the power of the Holy Spirit? And tomorrow our days will be different. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.